What's up, homies? What's up, homies? I'm Erica. And I'm Roshane. And as always, thank you so much for hanging out with us today as we dive into another spooky movie. And this time, it was my choice, though heavily, heavily, heavily influenced by um, Stream. I will <laughs> say, coming into this week, I had a very... Not a very specific movie in mind, because that's not even true. I was on the fence about a couple different movies, but I was leaning towards a specific movie until we streamed on Monday mm-hmm. and somebody torn <laughs> said something in the chat that got me thinking and completely changed my mind. And I decided I instead wanted to go back to 2009 Mm -hmm. and talk about the collector yeah yep which um for those that don't know actually erica is the one who put me on to this movie initially way back when uh because i had never heard about about this franchise it was you and our friend that had uh brought it up to me Mm -hmm. um so i subsequently watched that one and the sequel so, Which didn't we watch that together? I, I think see, so. I think we watched the collection together. I think I think we did. If I recall correctly, I think we rented it from Redbox. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds pretty accurate. And watched it in your dorm room. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This all mm-hmm. this all tracks. This all tracks. Yes. So we've got a little bit of a history with the collector slash slash the collection, um, but also this is also to say. If you guys ever want to influence our picks, our choices, maybe come through. Maybe come through that stream or come through that Discord because we're looking at it, we're listening, and like I said, I very much thought we were going to be talking about a different movie today until The Collector got brought up. And it actually got brought up because we were having a conversation about the new Saw movie. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And... um. A conversation about whether that is a movie that is necessary or whether we should lay (laughs) the Saw films to bed. And I was of the camp that said that despite it feeling as though Saw is gasping for health and oxygen and energy at this point in the franchise, Mm -hmm. I still say if the bitch can walk, then let her walk. <laughs> if she can keep going, then let her keep going till she tumbles to the ground. And I, I mean, you guys know me and my affinity for death games and traps. And that's the pull of Saw to me is like, regardless of if there is a good story, I'm still interested in the traps, which is actually what ended up getting us on the conversation a little bit of The Collector because this is a movie that is so heavily about traps. And a discussion that I I think we probably have throughout this is I think with a movie like this, you have the opportunity to continue it and or just I think movies like this are good excuses to be in the vein of Saw 
and really go forward with the thing that people like about Saw, which are the traps and the kills and the deaths and the innovativeness and the wackiness of that without it being Jigsaw. Right. And did you read, too, that this was initially, like, the idea was kind of a prequel Saw, like, spec script? I saw that, and honestly, thank God that didn't happen. (laughs) Thank goodness that actually didn't go through, because I think this movie works as the villain that we have. Right. I feel like this movie would have been hilarious in the wrong way if this was John Kramer (laughs) (laughs) running through a house (laughs) setting up bear traps on the floor I would not have been able to even take a minute of this seriously (laughs) that's so true um I did think that that was pretty wild. And although I agree with you, I'm happy that that did not happen. I do definitely think you can still see the influence here. Um, And from like tonally to just kind of the events that we're dealing with in this movie, I see the Saw inspiration there. But I look, I, I said it on stream and I'll say it here. I'm with you with the let's keep the death games alive. I do mm-hmm. think that that's a fun genre that needs to exist throughout time. It's just, I also feel like similarly to Jigsaw, we just need to let the Saw franchise rest. And I feel like movies like this are a great argument for that in terms of like taking the idea mm-hmm. that was very popularized by Saw and then figuring out how we can put it into different circumstances, different scenarios, and make the death trap thing work. Like, that mm-hmm. That to me, I think, is where a lot of the innovation for this genre can go. But we're not here today for me to preach about how much I need Saw to end. Yeah, but, but I mean, it, it's something to think about because I do, I will say... Now, granted, this is 2009, so mm-hmm. we're a little bit forward. I would say around here we were probably right in the middle of or. Yeah, yeah, we would have been like right in the middle of the saws that were coming out. I will say that this movie does. Capitalize on, I think, the craze of the torture porn esque Nate, like quality mm-hmm. that Saul was appealing to with people. However, I will say there is something about Saw that I think separated itself from the genre and made it hard for other movies to be as successful because these we like the collector and even the collection i don't they did well they definitely were successful in the sense that they made their money back Mm -hmm. but these movies aren't talked about in the same way that saw or even hostile those types of movies that i think really just came at the right time with the right story yeah that really blew up and therefore kind of continued to be successful but even with the movie like hostile that did not have the longevity success that a movie like Saw has. And I think we see that with The Collector 2, where this movie came out 2009, a few a few years later, 2012, The Collection came Shun. out. And then there was supposed to be The Collected, a third film that has been permanently shelved because it does not seem like there is any interest in this film anymore in this franchise yeah and so 
Although I love I love seeing as many movies like this as there possibly can be. But I think another reason that I like champion the Saw movies is because they are guaranteed successes. And at least we know <laughs> that those games will continue. Whereas a movie like this, it's such a it's such a toss up if it's going to do well and if we're going to get more of these. Yeah. And at this moment in time, we are stuck in limbo with, <laughs> with this film, which is actually honestly kind of unfortunate because I do think that we are actually like set up here in this first one, particularly. I think we're we almost set ourselves up perfectly for a long series of films, mm -hmm. but we maxed out at two. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree with you. The formula is there. It's just uh, we didn't end up seeing the fruits of all that labor. Yeah. Um, but still, it'll be fun to talk about the original collector here today, mm -hmm. um, especially with our history with this movie. Um, and also, I'm, I'm curious to know how you feel about this movie now as opposed to all those years ago in college back when we were watching this franchise. Yeah. Whether or not any of those thoughts have changed or, you know altered in any way but i think before we get into that we gotta figure out how scary exactly is the collector yeah oh oh i don't know this is a <laughs> this is a tough one for me because once again i think we're dealing with a movie that doesn't feel scary in the more general or expected jump scare territory but does have some frightening elements to it. Um, I think the base of it, the base idea of it is pretty creepy. Mm -hmm. And I do think that there are some moments that feel really tense and kind of get under your skin. There are definitely some moments that make you clench in terms of the gore. So I, I think where I'm going to be, as someone who enjoys this type of a movie... Mm -hmm. I but also trying to take into account maybe people who don't like this type of movie. I think I'm going to put this at like a 2.9, 2.8 2 for the scare. 2.9, Because I just don't think it's scary in that same general sense. It's a very dark film mm -hmm. and so it's creepy, but I think most of the scares are going to come from the gore and yeah. the torture aspect of things. But even this film Torture-wise, it's not the same as a Wolf Creek to me, mm -hmm. where it's it because there's like a suspension of disbelief, I think, in a lot of this movie. So although it feels still visceral and painful, it doesn't hurt me in the same way that a more realistic plot line would. Yeah, no, that's that's fair. And I think for myself, as far as scares are concerned, I'm gonna go around. It's somewhere between a 2 and a 2.5. I'll say a 2.5 okay. just to be generous. Okay. Um, but for all the same reasons, I, I think that visually there are some things that are unsettling. Mm. But as far as like traditional scares go, I think this movie is actually light in those. Um, there are a couple things that happen with some of the traps and whatnot that I do think on a first watch might be a little bit scary, a little bit shocking. Mm -hmm. Um but yeah, I still think it's it's on the lower spectrum of like, oh my god, I'm terrified. So yeah, um, we'll give it a two point five on our on our little scare scale for me. Alrighty. Now then, homies, we are going to enter into spoiler territory, so you have been warned. But today we're talking about the collector from two thousand and nine. 
This film was directed by Marcus Dunstan and co-written by Dunstan along with Patrick Melton, starring Josh Stewart as Arkin, Andrea Roth as Victoria, Michael Riley Burke as Michael, and Juan Fernandez as The Collector. Arkin's family is in hot water due to some loans that are due for collection. Desperate to make some quick cash, Arkin agrees to rob a home that he's been working on for several weeks. But after breaking into the Chase residence, Arkin makes an unsettling discovery. He is not the first person to break in tonight. And the other intruder has far more murderous intentions. Insert bathtub bondage. Bundles of bear traps. And the world's worst trip to the dentist here. Our film concludes with Arkin helping the Chase family escape while searching for their daughter Hannah. Will they make it out alive? Or will our intruder be making more additions to his collection? Also, stupid fucking cat. Roll credits. So yeah, let's go ahead and get that out of the way. A warning to anybody who does not like to see animals die in mm -hmm. films. There are two. We get a twofer. Cat and a dog. Um, so... Oh, wait, wait, wait. What happens to the dog? I forget what happens to the dog. The dog uh, runs into a flaming trash can. Ah, okay. And then somehow, next time we see the dog, Arkin is tossing its flaming body <laughs> at the collector. It's very, it's uh, it's a very strange edit. It, it makes it kind of hard to tell what's going on because at first it just seems like the dog gets hurt and the next thing you know, Dog said. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yep. And all dogs go to heaven, so it's fine, but... Yeah. Dang. <laughs> I don't know if that's better or worse than what happens to the cat. Uh... A better, probably. The cat gets... <laughs> that cat, unfortunately, does get quite quite messed up it's yeah. a very long sequence it's a, for, such so a long sequence it's right such a long sequence for anybody who it does not like to see animals get hurt this honestly this movie does not give a fuck i <laughs> want to warn you guys right now that there is a very the dog one is very quick like i said it's it's kind of hard to tell what's going on yeah. but the cat sequence you know. is very prolonged you see a lot of it it's a, it's quite gory as well and and it's it's very loud the whole time the cat is like <laughs> like that's the whole sound background for that scene so yeah just a heads up for anybody who hasn't watched this movie um that that is a thing yeah and the creators <laughs> may or may not be dog people from what we can tell <laughs> from what we can tell yeah it it they did seem like they picked a side <laughs> and, which is crazy too because the dog is it's not a bad dog because dogs he was obviously trained to do all so. good boys, all, good, all boys. good boys. But this is a bad boy because he was trained to be so he is on the collector's side mm -hmm. and trying to take our protagonist down. So the dog one, it's like it's self-defense. So that's why the, the cat one is also really hard to watch because it's just <laughs> literally their family pet. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but all right. Roshane. 
What's up? What is in your notebook? All right. Well, first thing I got here is that this opening theme makes me want to rave. It's, it's good. It's good. It's one of those uns, uns, like headbanger yeah. style, like, like industrial songs. Was, yes, it's like industrial rock. And mm-hmm. it, it's this whole title sequence that feels very much the whole opening from the title, not the intro stinger. The first scene or whatever. Yeah. But from the title sequence through until we meet Arkin, it feels very music video, mm-hmm. very Black Hole Sun. It just, the yeah. the music, the way it's shot, everything about it just feels very 90s grunge mm-hmm. rock music video. And it's just, it's, it's interesting to watch because it's not that that's tonally different at all from what the rest of the movie is, but it just feels a little bit like it's going to be a different film. It feels almost like a drama <laughs> when it starts. A bit. Just with the muse, the soft rock <laughs> playing in the background and these sweeping shots of the woods. <laughs> it just yeah. feels like it's it's giving Twilight a little bit. A little bit, yeah. It's it's quite a stark jump from like that first scene into right. into the title card back into the movie but i mean tonally they were doing things and i'm gonna blanket this whole episode with this just from the get um because this is one of my biggest cons but i don't fault the movie too too much for it um this style right this industrial like yellow color grading scheme Mm -hmm. like very grungy like you said um i do feel like i've grown out of that because yeah. it was it was for me it was a little visually tiring while watching this movie mm. and that's something that did not plague previous watches um i mm-hmm. i think like when i initially saw this movie for the first time i didn't mind it as much cuz i'm just like i'm into it i'm just trying to figure out what the story is yeah. like now watching it for like quote unquote critique i was like eh, this isn't my personal favorite style of filming or editing yes. um but I'm not going to pretend that it isn't very of the time and very reminiscent of so many other things that we had in pop culture around that time. Yeah, there's you're actually so right about the yellow color scheme, because when I wanted to bring up the color scheme in this, I was thinking a lot about the blue, mm, the mm-hmm. blue just the blue of everything yes and but you're right there also is a yellow tinge to things in this film as well and i i agree with you it's not something that i ever really paid attention to or noticed originally watching this but i think that's because it was just more a product of the time and so mm-hmm. there was a lot of horror movies from like the mid 2000s and even a few years on past that, that had this very specific color scheme to them. Mm-hmm. And there was this whole feeling of anytime there is, everything just felt so fluorescent and blue yeah. and sapia toned and yellow, but that was just the style. And so it didn't feel weird at the time, but I feel like when you look back and watch those movies now, it's, you can almost clock exactly when from the 2000s <laughs> the movie was. I think what's different about this movie, though, is because it's like it was on the cusp of I feel like we were moving out of that. Mm-hmm. But 
we still had it to a certain degree, but I feel like we were starting to move to a different tone, Mm -hmm. um, like lighting tone for movies. And so this movie feels like it's like half and half. But I think too with this movie is, like I said, it's a lot of it is played in the dark. And something that I feel like mid 2000s movies used to do is they were afraid of total darkness in yeah. a way that I think more modern horror isn't. I feel yeah. like more modern horror, they say, you know what? We want this shit to be pitch black. It's about to be pitch black. True. And y'all are just going to have to figure it out. Mm-hmm. I feel like back then, they wanted you to still be able to see what was going on. So they added a blue tinge. because, right. And it gives this weird feeling because you think, is that supposed to be the moon? Or <laughs> what? What? Are world? we underwater? <laughs> like, what? is this underworld? Yeah. This is like, uh, all right listen up it's a blue world (laughs) and with a blue corvette everything is blue i get it but it's a weird mix of like that same fluorescent white with the blue and then everything in the basement is piss yellow yeah (laughs) (laughs) it's such a stark change yeah um and like part of that has got to be uh well creative choice yes but then some technology technological limitations as well i do think like shooting in low light has gotten significantly better over Mm -hmm. the years so like these dark darknesses are a lot more accessible to horror films to shoot in whereas Mm -hmm. back in the day you kind of have to figure it out but i do feel like the combination of the color scheme of this film with it also being shot in 16 millimeter Mm -hmm. and just like the stylistic choices of it do make it stand out you know, yeah. like it does have its own personality because of these things. But a lot of these personality traits, again, are just like symptoms of that time and like mm-hmm. other things that we were kind of doing. Um, so it's like visually, I think I'm fatigued of it because I've seen so much of this kind of style now. Yeah. But um, it's one of those things where I'm like, I don't necessarily fault the movie too much for wanting to do that, especially in 2009. Right. It's one of those things where you recognize it and it almost makes you feel a little bit nostalgic because Mm -hmm. it's just it immediately places you back in that horror time period. And so it's not a bad thing. And I will say one of the pros of that is. I've mentioned this a lot about how I'll be watching movies on my TV during the day and I can't see anything because Mm -hmm. it's too bright, but then the movie itself is too dark and I have that issue a lot. Didn't have to run into that issue at all with this movie because it was never too dark. (laughs) I I could see everything and I was worried at one point because I remember this being a dark film. Like Mm -hmm. I said, when I, I remember watching it and it being all at night and so I was thinking that I was going to have to pivot from my TV and watch it on my phone or something. And that never was an issue. So that is a plus of the of the blue hint to um, everything is mm-hmm. that you can see what is happening, which I think is another reason that this movie is the scare factor is not as high because mm-hmm. you do get to see everything that's happening. Nothing is going to come running out of the shadows unexpectedly at you. And also, too, because I do think it's a choice in this movie for us to follow the collector a lot. He's not a, a villain that is going to pop out of unexpected places. This is no Michael Myers. Yeah, he, it's It was a choice, story-wise, for us to 
map his movements throughout the house. So we mm-hmm. all we get to see a lot of times where the collector is and where he's going in relation to Arkin. And I think that that's because I kind of I, I never thought about this when we did the episode for Do- uh, Don't Breathe. Mm-hmm. But there are a lot of shots in this that I feel like they also do in Don't Breathe, which obviously came later. So mm-hmm. this movie would have done them before. But there are a lot of those overhead moving through the house shots. Yeah. Which I think also helps us to know where about like the everybody is within this house at one point in time, which is something that I didn't think that I would like because this is a tor- the type of movie where I do feel like we're meant to feel like we're in Arkin shoes. Mm-hmm. And so we are kind of meant to wonder oh, where is like, because we, we hear a lot of noises. There are times where we hear noises, but we don't see where they're coming from. So then you really feel like you are him where it's um, that feeling of where those footsteps are coming from. Where is that door closing and him trying to navigate throughout that. But like I said, we do get to see both of them moving at the same time in a lot of places. And I thought that that would be kind of annoying because I thought that that would take away the suspense, mm-hmm. but it actually doesn't in this movie for me. No. I actually don't mind it at all. I kind of like seeing them move at the same time because it's like you'll see the collector open a door in one room and at the same time, Arkin will come up behind him yeah. out of another room. I don't know. It kind of, it kind of, it's kind of fun. <laughs> yeah, honestly. And also it feels like this house was like, architecturally crafted to just play this sort of tag in there as well (laughs) because of just the way the door setups are where it's like yeah one room will have three different ways to leave it which will lead Mm -hmm. into another room that also has like three different ways to leave it so so it really facilitates these over the head like tracking shots um but i agree with you i think they're fun and they work and they're effective here um mostly because it's like the collector is a is a interesting villain i think is the word i'll use Mm -hmm. because it's the guy himself like the actual collector he is you know somewhat imposing because like he is the antagonist we know that he's the bad guy in this situation but the really scary thing about him are his traps which have already been pre-set up so it's almost like we have two villains here once we get into the section with arkin moving about the house Mm -hmm. because we have the danger of all the traps which that's one of the fun things about the collector is like when it comes to trapping this house this is a trap house like they (laughs) they there are traps in every five centimeters you will run into another trap like this house is decked out which always lends the question to me of how arkin makes it in there in the first place avoiding all the traps however we do see a little sequence later on that Mm -hmm. may quote unquote explain that yeah. Um, I also think too, correct me if I'm wrong, but I also feel like it implies that the collector is still setting stuff. Setting stuff whilst up. Arkin arrives. It feels like he was in the because he doesn't lock the door until he locks the door after Arkin's already come in. Mm. It seems like he was still moving through the house, setting things before Arkin got there that makes a lot of sense and that's not something that i really thought about but Mm -hmm. i could see that whereas like when we get there it does seem like the fam or at least um victoria and michael are already like caught in the trap 
But who's to say that he's done? Like, maybe he's like, right. no, no, no. I still got my grand finale that I have to prep. I just haven't had enough time. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that that's totally a plausible explanation for it. But yeah, having these two things to deal with, right? These traps that are all over the house. And then this person who is like constantly on the move. I think it is helpful to see how much the collector yeah. is moving around because it's like, you now we as the audience and as Arkin know that we can't be in one room for too long because this mm-hmm. man is checking everything. Um, it kind of reminds me, funny enough, our the people who watch our streams will know this reference, but like we've been playing a game called the Outlast Trials. Mm-hmm. And like it reminds me a lot of that where it's like, you know, the dangers in the room, but the fun of it is just trying to avoid that danger right. despite it being like right there. Right. Yes, it agreed. It it does give that same vibe of as much as you want to sit and hide the whole time, you do run that risk of if I do sit and hide here too long, will I get caught up in a trap? Will I be discovered? Because, yeah, the collector is not at all a passive villain. He, despite, like you said, already having two victims subdued in the basement is still actively waiting for more people because we know that their daughter is not home yet there is another daughter that is somewhere in the house that has not been discovered and the thing that's is that we come to find out that is creepy about the collector is that he also knows that because we find out that he is connected to this family this is not a random I just rolled up one day and wanted to rob your house. This is someone who has been calculating and and getting to know the ins and outs of this family in this place yeah. in preparation for this. So, yeah, it definitely, definitely feels like one of those times where I can't fault Arkin for continuously moving and staying kind and staying on the move within this house and not just saying I'm going to stay put and hide it out because I don't know that that is the best method with someone like this because it's it it seems like he is posted up in this house man's does not seem like he wants to leave anytime soon Mm -hmm. so I don't know that it would be because there's one point where he's hiding underneath all the pillows and that's a point where I thought the way that I would just stay under those pillows all fucking night but then at the same time Is that the best move? Because there is a trap set up in this room. Who's to say that he's not going to come in later on to disassemble this trap? And just and there's you with your head with your head (laughs) sticking out of pillows, looking looking foolish. And then (laughs) and then what? So yeah, I I think that that is also a benefit to this film is that it does feel like the kind of a situation where your best mode way to survive is to continue to move and this is Mm -hmm. a good they they chose a good uh, location for it this house does work very well for the sequences that they needed to be set up within this film because you're right there's a lot of doors that lead into other rooms multiple doors that lead into rooms lots of ways to get down and up the stairs kind of reminds me not the inside of it but the outside of it kind of reminds me of the fresh prince of bel-air house i see <laughs> it's that a very nice it's a yeah. very beautiful house it's a pretty house i agree with you there like i like it yes <laughs> they got that money money they got money it's clear <laughs> um but i guess for any who haven't seen the film even though we're in spoiler territory but 
Um, just to talk about the setup here for a little bit, because I do mm-hmm. think this movie does have a really cool setup, and that is a big pro for me, is this slight deviation from your typical home invasion story, right? Um, mm-hmm. One, Arkin as a character, he's like interesting enough, and his situation is compelling enough, at least for me, um, to have him be a main character to follow. So I feel like once he's in the thick of things, um, it's hard not to root for him just because like the situation's so messed up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we have this we have this character in Arkin who he's been working on this house. Um, then we find out later on that his wife owes some people money. They need money really, really quick. And so um, Arkin on the side to make that extra money as he's gotten in with this group where they will work on houses and then essentially rob them. And so that's why he's at the the Chase's mm-hmm. house is to rob them because he needs money by the end of that night. And then it's just like subsequently while he's there to rob them, he finds out that they're being attacked by the collector, mm-hmm. um, which that dynamic to me is very cool. And it has been since I watched this the first time is this idea that like, you know, you're you think that you're the bad guy and you're in there. But lo and behold, you're actually trapped in here with me. Um, right. you bring up don't breathe but very similar kind of in that way mm-hmm. of just like a you don't know the danger that you're putting yourself into mm-hmm. um but i i find that very fun for this specific scenario because of all the traps where it's yeah. like instead of just running away from someone it's like we have all these shots of argon having to like maneuver through these like razor wire and then like we have the whole sequence with him like trying the boards on the windows and getting his hand sliced that one to me is the worst that one is rough and also the effects in this for the most part are all really really good yeah um so it's like anytime arkin or any other character is in danger or gets hurt or feels pain the imagery of it is pretty is pretty brutal like you will see a lot of their injuries. And like, I think that that really helps out the film because it like, it elevates the level of danger that we have here where it's like, I think there's sometimes, and this could be a me thing, but I feel like there's sometimes when I'm watching some Saw films um, with maybe some of the earlier traps and whatnot, where it's like, there's a particular point in time where the trap gets like really scary, where it's like, oh, you're in like the last 10 seconds, you got to figure this thing out. Whereas I feel like a lot of the collectors traps around the house, they all seem very dangerous from the get go. Yeah, I mean, the man has a pool of bear traps in their in their dining room, like he's not playing around. Yeah, he's uh, they're all meant to take you out kind of instantly possible. (laughs) Yeah. Which is interesting because there is something about... So, well, first, going back to Arkin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually really like him as a main character. I think what I like about him is he's such a reluctant protagonist. Yeah. Because, yeah, he's going there to do a bad thing to people that he actually kind of likes. Yeah, uh, he, he doesn't, doesn't like, really despise them. Yeah, he, he knows he's there for a reason, but these are people who have actually been quite kind to him. Um, he gets along with the the youngest daughter who reminds him of his daughter. The The dad was actually pretty nice to him. And so it's, this isn't a family that he particularly wants to do harm to, but that's another thing is it's like he he, he is going there thinking they're going to be gone. It's, it's not meant to hurt them in any way, but this is something he has to do for his family. And so 
going from that to then having him, I like that it's not revealed to him right away that this is a dangerous situation. At first, he just thinks, oh, shit, somebody's home. Mm -hmm. I got to go. And then he thinks, nah, I think I can get it. And then slowly realizes that things are a bit stickier than (laughs) he had expected. And what I like about it is there's a hardness to Arkin. Mm -hmm. He's not by any means a very soft, sentimental guy. And even when it comes to Hannah, who is the little girl that he really sticks around for, it's... I like the way that he handles her. He he he's very obviously he wants to protect her and keep her safe, but there's a very much equality to him that's that is I'm about my business. Yeah. Get with it or get this, lost. This is like, a life or death situation. Yes, I don't I will give keep a you crap alive. if you're a kid. I will keep you alive as best as I can, but if you die, you die. I can't <laughs> do anything about it. And I kind of love that about him is he because he is and 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 I he's by no means a character who is not capable of of handling this situation because he does have some skills he's quite intelligent he does have some good ideas and he is pretty good at keeping himself hidden and and kind of in the shadows for a lot of it but and I think that that also works into just the type of person that he is, is he's just very much, this is exactly what needs to happen. And if it doesn't happen, I don't know what to tell you. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we see that a lot with Victoria, with that whole situation of him trying to help her, which, dude, I get what you were trying to do. You should have known, though. But, like, because like, uh, he goes down to save Victoria, who is the wife. And mm-hmm. when he goes to save her, her husband is strung up. He has been disemboweled. He's hanging upside down with all his entrails dangling on the floor. And they have to walk past him to get back upstairs. So he goes to save Victoria and she asks where her husband is. And he doesn't want to freak her out. So he says like, oh, I'm, I'm going to save you. And then I'm going to come back for him. And he tells her to keep her eyes on his back. I couldn't find him anywhere. I don't think she's in the house. She has to be here. I don't think I didn't see her. Where's, where's Michael? He's okay. He's fine. He's fine. After I get you out of here, I'll get him out of here, okay? I can't do this. I can't do this. No, you gotta, gotta get out of here. I gotta get out of here. Shh. I don't want to die. You're not gonna die. I don't want to die. Shh, shh. You're not gonna die. Shh, shh, shh. Hold still. Back for him. But be for real, because yeah. it's not this is a large man. Her husband is a very tall, large <laughs> figure hanging from the ceiling in the basement. He's bleeding all over the floor. And he just thinks if he tells Victoria to look straight ahead, she wasn't going to see that. Um, oh, at Come that on, point, yeah, man. you just got to you, you got to break it to her as gently as you can be like, yeah. Your man's is a human pinata in the next room. I don't really know what to tell you. (laughs) I don't Uh, know how to say this, but... But if you would like to live... uh, (laughs) Right? I'm saying, I would have just... I would have had to tell her, hey, look, 
you're about to see something crazy when we walk out of here. <laughs> you're going to see your husband just, ab- just dangling from the ceiling. Very, very, very much a party favor at this point. Decoration. <clears throat> but... Your daughter is still alive somewhere in here. Give her something. So Give her something we, to work with. So we got to go find her. Yeah. Please don't say anything. Yeah. And at that point in time, you know what? If she wants to say something, she wants to say something. But I feel like it's worse to surprise her mm-hmm. <laughs> because you base, you told her he was okay. It's not even like you said, oh, I don't know where he is. You literally you told her he's to fine. Her <laughs> oh, he's fine. And then... And then surprise her because she slips in his blood. That's the thing that (laughs) surprises her, too. Not only is she surprised by him hanging from the ceiling dead, but she is shuffling barefoot through his blood, almost falls and falls on her ass because she Mm -hmm. slips in her husband's blood. And it's, you know, it's not it's not the best (laughs) way of handling that. But at the same time, I understood where he was trying to come from. I understood his. His reasoning behind that just didn't quite work out. Yeah. But yeah, the the collector is interesting in the sense of he likes to play with people, but then also kind of likes to kill people pretty quickly it, because it feels like the traps are um, extra precautions to make sure that his victims don't get away mm-hmm. to catch any stragglers. Because I think also what we'll see with the first couple is it didn't seem like there were any traps in their house. It didn't seem like there was really anything in their house besides the box mm-hmm. that was used as bait. And then he attacked them. Yeah. So it seems like the traps are fun for him, but those almost, seem to be there to catch people that he might miss. And then he takes he but he does physically himself like to torture and hurt people. And I'm sure that's why how he decides who he wants to keep is yeah. from those people that he can grab and, and keep tabs of. That's but because like that's his MO at least set up in this film is that yeah he's a murderer, but certain people specifically the people that are trapped in the box or people that he collects like that's mm-hmm. his thing like that's his calling card is he'll take someone from the scene and keep yeah. them as bait for the next um project that he works mm-hmm. on um which i do i like that as a plot device but then going through like this film and some of the stuff that he does, I I find the vetting process kind of questionable of like how he's determining who he's going to keep because um, this man is very rough with his toys. Like I don't think that many would make it out of these situations alive. So yeah, it's interesting because you do have to wonder what it is exactly because who was he going to keep before Arkin Mm -hmm. popped up? I do have to wonder it's, I mean, it seemed to be like Victoria was being set up to be kept, mm. um, potentially. And then, like, Michael, he he never had a chance based on what he did to him. Like, it was it was over from the moment the collector showed up. Mm. Um, but I think Victoria, maybe what he had his eyesight on, or perhaps if he was as well-versed with this family, he had plans for the other daughter. Um, Jill. What's her name? Jill, yeah, mm-hmm. perhaps like he was waiting, he was gonna play around with the parents and then potentially keep Jill right. later on. That could have been another thing as well. 
Um, but yeah, I, it almost seems like part of the reason he does keep them though, is like how much of a chase they put up. Like how difficult are you to get caught in my web? Because like, if you're a real fighter, like Arkin was, I think that's what, why he starts to set his sights on him Mm -hmm. because he's giving him so much trouble. Like he does enjoy the chase. Yeah. He has a lot of fun, I guess you could say with Arkin. Um, Also with our beginning couple, they were a little bit too relaxed. Well, not the wife. She was quite freaked out. But old boy was a little bit too relaxed about that box for me. Oh, yeah. Um, I would have been gone with the wind. I mean, <laughs> I it would have been no no questions asked. No, no words spoken. He would have turned around and I would have been gone. Because that that's, is that's crazy. So like... That is crazy. If you walk into <laughs> your home, right? No roommates. This is your home. This no is your roommates. home where only you should be bringing packages in. Right. And there is just a box, a very worn, weird looking box just sitting in your bedroom. Yes. Nah, yeah. My ass is turning around and, and looking up the local listings for a new place to stay because I. And then the box has the nerve to thump. To thump. Goodbye. Yeah, Goodbye. I got zero curiosity there. I don't want to know what's in that box. Nothing in that box can be good. I would have been gone immediately. Yeah, and they, they're they sitting there thinking, oh, did because they had also had people working on their house. Presumably the collector was working on their house. So they're questioning, oh, did somebody leave this behind? Why would they do that? Why would they have done <laughs> why, that? Why would they have left a big old box in your house? And the collector pops up and kind of gets them as the... Or no, actually, they do open the box. They open the box. Get freaked out. And then the collector grabs them from behind. And so, yeah, it didn't even need to. I wouldn't have even touched the box. I would have already had the police on speed dial. They would have been on their way already. And and I, if I would have turned around and seen the collector behind me, I would have jumped out the window (laughs) right away. I would have just been ready. Like, you just got to stay sprightly. I would have already been ready on my toes. Look, it's a weird situation, <laughs> though. I will give it to him because there's also a part of me that thinks like, all right, you find that right. You call the cops. I feel like the first thing the cop is going to say was like, well, did you open the box? Did you look or like? Yep. And I'm saying I did. And there's 10 severed heads in here. <laughs> <laughs> there's 10 severed heads in this box. There's one arm. And you know what? I think there's a stolen diamond in here as well. So you guys should get here as soon as possible. <laughs> they get there. It's like your fucking cousin trying to surprise you for your birthday. Yeah, right. Right. They get there and they open it. And it's just like leftover tools from the workers. that They said, oh, we we we're com- we have to come back tomorrow. There's like a little note in there. It's like, oops. I'm like, oh, that's so weird. Uh, you know what's crazy, though? My prescription is expired. I got to get new glasses. I would have just been like, you can arrest me. It's fine. I don't care. <laughs> I just have to be sure. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, the box, it's its a fun little addition. Of course, mm-hmm. got to be uh, a little bit of a nod to seven there with the what's in the box. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, regardless, though, that added layer to the story is i think a good addition because it's like not only do we have all the things that we're already dealing with right but then there's this idea that what if you're one of the people that gets captured like what if you don't even die like you just have to perpetually live in this shit post the situation that's gotta be worse right that's gotta be the worst scenario 
That's terrifying. And that's what we see in Larry, who is the husband from the beginning of the film. And there is a box in the Chase's home that Arkin opens and Larry comes tumbling out. And he is the one who basically explains that everybody that the collector doesn't want will be killed. But if he wants to keep you, this is what you will be. Welcome and to your life. Larry, Larry looks messed up. He looks like he has been through some crazy shit. You know what is a wild thing? Arkin stuffs Larry back into that back box. Into like box. he's a jack in the box. The way that he just <laughs> folds him back up and just latches the box closed because Larry starts to get a little too loud. I know. I mean, obviously, that was the best thing to do, but it feels so disrespectful <laughs> from larry's pov oh yeah dude somebody finally opens that up and be like all right now get back in there yeah because <laughs> he, he help really me. help me please he really folds him back up <laughs> and sticks him back in i was like damn oh uh, i know larry's in there he's heated oh of course of course <laughs> um now out of all of the different traps and whatnot was there a particular favorite that you had well, so I really love the um, bear traps, but mm -hmm. I think I just like them because of the death. The sequence. It's not, the bear trap death is a real good death. It's rough. It's not the coolest trap by any means because it's just a bunch of bear traps on the floor. But because of the way that the sequence plays out, it's the coolest death, which that boy got absolutely annihilated. Three. Wrecked. Three back to back, he gets stabbed through the hand mm -hmm. by the collector. He gets sliced by it's this huge like <laughs> a machete that comes flying down from the, the ceiling. Yeah, slices off his hand. And then the collector like kicks him <laughs> or something. <laughs> Gives him the 300 like, kick. <laughs> Straight into a damn vat yeah. of bear traps. And the way this man crumples, that's the <laughs> thing about it too, is it's not like, oh, it was a quick death. He gets every limb that he has gets snared first and then his head. And then the head, yeah. Worst way to go. But he was kind of a douche, so like I don't feel bad for him at all. However, it looked gnarly <laughs> like especially crazy. especially because like you said the head is the last thing that gets snatched so it's like yeah he felt every single one of those bear traps mm -hmm. before he finally kicked the bucket it was just it was unbelievable it is a why it, it's the one of the best death sequences by far for a character who you meet for five minutes mm -hmm. <laughs> tops um so that one was the coolest like the coolest sequence, I think. I will say, though, too, I think that Jill's, although it makes absolutely no sense. It really I don't. Think Jill's is the kind of trap that you're waiting to see for the whole movie. Yeah. So hers was also pretty cool because she grabs a pair of scissors and that triggers the projector to fall and it slaps her into the wall where there's a bunch of nails sticking out that projector hit her with the power of a thousand suns how <laughs> did she fly so far and so high it makes no sense but it looks so cool <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah her her death is unfortunate but also very cool yeah um but yeah it's the 
the the sequences are 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 a lot of fun. Um, at least the trap sequences are. The torture porn esque bits, they're not my favorite, but I also don't mind them because I don't mm-hmm. feel like any of them go on too long. Like I actually do yeah. think a lot of the torture porn stuff is just the right length for it to not be gratuitous. Right. Yeah, we actually cut away from a lot of it and then we come back later and we see the end of it yeah but like uh, we see bits and pieces of what's happening to them it's implied because you can hear them screaming so you know that bad stuff is happening but yeah a lot of it we see the beginning and then we see the end Mm -hmm. and that middle bit that they would normally i feel relish in is not really there yeah so it it's definitely still hard to watch at times but it's 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 wild because most of the stuff that you'll see that is the hardest to watch is stuff that happens to our character that survives, which is Arkin. Yeah. Like those are the anytime he gets hurt, we see the whole yeah. like situation that's going on with him. Like you said, the hand bit, that was the first trap that he fell into. Yeah. And it's still one of the harder ones to watch because his hand so basically he puts his hand through some some wood and the wood has metal blades that will just yeah like razors yeah like razors that just shoot and clamp down on your hand and his hand is just stuck in there you just gotta pull it out through the razor and like that is an extended scene it goes on for a little bit and it is hard to watch um it's it's like so hard but he's a he's a motherfucking he takes it like a g for sure that on not even a scream out of him he just goes not even a whimper he <laughs> just stone cold i mean it definitely you could tell that it hurts but like i said at this point in time he thinks he's about to get caught so mm-hmm. he's trying to be as quiet as possible and he pulls his whole hand back through that would have been it for me <laughs> that's a wrap the collector would have walked in and i would have just been standing there my hand halfway <laughs> out the window <laughs> just dangling and be like you know what you may as well take me now i ain't moving ah like, oh, damn <laughs> Damn, damn, damn. All right. Another question I got for you. Yeah. Where the fuck was Hannah hiding? Like, where in this house was she? (laughs) Hannah, what are we doing? Hannah was, yeah, she, it's it's funny, too, because that's a time where, (laughs) this is an instance where, one thing I like about this movie is how quickly we get into the plot without Mm -hmm. having too much backstory there's like enough that we know why what's happening is happening and why arkin is doing what he's doing we know just enough about the chase family but the setup of this movie is 10 minutes tops of the whole hour and a half movie the rest of it is all inside of the house and so i do like that when a movie says okay here's the basic plot and now we're into it mm-hmm. however one thing i wouldn't have mind added <laughs> is if because earlier in the movie hannah invites arkin to a little pretend tea party thing and they just have a little bonding moment there i feel like instead of having a tea party they maybe should have done something where 
Hannah either invited him to play hide and seek and maybe he like <clears throat> had a hard time finding her or if he was fixing stuff and he opened a, a weird a, like a closet or something and Hannah was hiding was and, she, and she scared him. I feel like we could have gotten a little bit of an implication that she's really good at hiding and maybe True. that's something that she does that like irritates her parents is she will hide and they're <laughs> like you can't do that or something because I... I, I, where were you? Why are you so good at hiding? Where were you that neither the collector nor Arkin could find you? And now all of a sudden, you're out and about. Now <laughs> that you want to go on a little stroll. <laughs> that moment when he's like, where were you? I think that is the Dude. collectively everyone watching the film. We are yeah. all just like, how? How did you How did you do this? Where? Truly. Where the hell have you been? Um, truly where were you because i she must have been in a hiding in a closet or something somewhere but yeah it's all of, she's gone for half of the movie and then pops up in a window like the ghost <clears throat> of a victorian girl and arkin's like fuck and so he has to go back into the house he has to go back into the house to help her but yeah we never find out where she was hiding but apparently she is a pro at it Mm -hmm. but i i like that idea though of like some sort of like foreshadowing of her hiding abilities that would have been fun um mm -hmm. but as far as we get um we as the audience just have to accept that she is the best hide and see she is the hide and seek queen yeah and that just is what it is but that i i did like that because it did po pose that moral dilemma right of like we have the character make it out of the situation which right. I, is a great choice um to force them to go back in and make it something where it's like their person is at question here and mm. she served as a great device to get him back into the house yes and so it's like i i enjoy that bit is it is just a little bit hard to believe that she went um so undetected for so long yeah one especially too because it is implied that she was hiding upstairs mm -hmm. and arkin does go to almost every room and and he says hannah hannah are you in here now granted maybe she didn't realize that was Ooh, him maybe was, she yeah. thought it was just the guy coming in there and she didn't want to come out which i get that but yeah it's 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 quite crazy to think that she had just been successfully hiding in there for many hours while her parents were downstairs yeah. <laughs> absolutely being tortured screaming through the vents <laughs> and hannah's hiding behind a coat in a closet <laughs> <Just standing laughs> but yeah so we got arkin he has to go back he has to help hannah um both i mean a cat gets absolutely wrecked and then a flaming dog gets thrown um the collector murders a police officer because we all know if a lone officer rolls up on a horror situation that they are strictly body count. And uh, the collector actually relishes in this kill. Like he he does it with a little bit of pizzazz. Like he he doesn't mind the small intrusion on his day on his uh, little situation. Um, yeah. But I I will say, and this is something that might get rectified in the in the sequel. But it's been a long time since I've seen it, so I don't remember. Mm -hmm. But before the cop section, um, and right before Arkin gets captured, he does get, like, he gets into a tussle with the collector, and he manages to pull his mask off. Yeah. And it is kind of, via what we see on his facial expression, it is implied that he recognizes whoever is under the mask. Mm -hmm. 
I don't remember who the collector is. I'll say that right now. Like, I do not recall who it is. I do know that it's in this first film who they were initially was set up with the exterminators and everything. I know that bit, but the actual person behind the mask, I don't remember. Yeah, it's the exterminator. So it's the exterminator that um, Arkin says. There's wasps too yeah. earlier on, which but, that is a good that is a good one because the reaction that he has as an exterminator to like, hey bro, there's a wasp nest back there. It seems strange at first, yeah. but then like Give later on, I was like, up. oh yeah, it's like okay, that makes way more sense in context right. now. Yeah, because basically he goes, oh great, good to hear it <laughs> <laughs> when when Argan tells him that. But yeah, I think that that in the second movie. Oh, man, it's been a while since I've seen it. But I do know that I don't remember if we get to see his face fully in the second movie ever. Um, It's still the continuation that he is an exterminator or at least poses as an exterminator. Mm -hmm. Um, But of course, the second movie goes in a very different direction, too, because it's not in the house. It's not. It's in his. It's in his his domain. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So I don't think that they really get more into the his moonlighting kind of situation mm-hmm. when he does that. But I do know that uh, we do find, I think we find out more of the, his backstory and kind of why he became what he was. Gotcha. Um, and we do know that he does have an, from this movie as well, we find out that he does have a, a love for bugs. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a pretty big part of his, of his character is, which I think is a cool little thing to add to him, this care that he has for bugs and then this mm-hmm. complete disregard that he has for humans because there's a part where he just finished torturing the dad and the mom and then he carefully gets the spider and gen- <laughs> gently lets it free outside. Mm-hmm. And so that is a cool little element to to his his character because it it implies that him being an exterminator or him working for bugs that's not just a cover <laughs> it's something that he actually <laughs> quite likes to do yeah. yeah and he just also really really enjoys killing apparently but um yeah it's it's a fun little i like that we learn who the collector is without actually learning who the collector is yeah it's like it's still a mystery but we know who he is, and I think it's so. I think it was actually a really cool idea to have him basically be Arkin. I mean, they had the same idea. Mm-hmm. They both were posing as people doing a job on this house to do nefarious things within this house. Right. It's just that one was doing it for a very different reason than the other, but they both had the same idea and had the mm-hmm. same mentality going into this job and so i do think that that was a like a cool aspect to have them both be people that because presumably the exterminator would have also recognized arkin from earlier and been like oh shit welcome back back, my guy good to see you (laughs) so i i think that that is a a cool idea and like i said i do prefer that than it being a stranger because i do also think that that makes things a little bit scary and creepy to have this idea of we hire you might hire people i mean all the time you yeah, people hire for people jobs. for random jobs within your house or 
within your apartment or something. And we give our address to people all the time who are strangers, but they're doing a job for us. Mm -hmm. And this idea that although it feels so mundane and out of the like not out of the ordinary for us, we don't really know these people right. and we don't really know the, their intentions, but you're putting complete trust into them to come into your home and just do their job and then forget about you and mm -hmm. never come back. Mm -hmm. Like it's kind of scary when you think about it. Yeah. yeah it <laughs> so it's like, it's a great place to play from. And again, that I think aids with the situation and what, like, despite Again, The Collector being a, a film that is similar to so many other films standing out is just like, I feel like it makes you think about these particular little things that you're like, ah, I didn't really think about people working on my house in that light mm -hmm. before. But like now the idea is like, oh, shit, that's kind of scary. Yeah. So it's like I for the most part, I do enjoy this movie. The ending is yeah. um it makes sense, I think, especially for what they're going for. Or like the potential longevity of things like the mm -hmm. idea that they managed to make it out but the collector still finds arkin i okay. buy it <laughs> yeah. but it's kind of just like a all right I'm, I'm cool with it i guess you know what i mean i had it been a standalone film and he got and he got away i think i would have been okay but the ending that we do get um, I'm also okay with mostly because I will say the actual shot of the ambulance, like tumbling yeah. while he's in there is fantastic. That is an awesome shot. It's dope. It's a really cool. Yeah. Because you are inside of the ambulance as it's rolling down a hill and Arkin is strapped to a gurney so he is staying in place while the emt is like <laughs> rotating around him it's and like it a, looks like fucking a washing cool. machine yeah and it's so funny because like arkin keeps reaching for him like he's gonna grab him but it just keeps <laughs> letting him roll around it's so it's actually a really cool really really cool shot i like it a lot there and like i said i really also like the overhead shots that we get in the house like there's some cool shots and sequences in this for sure mm -hmm. but yeah i think i like the um i like the ending because i kind of i like the whole you know no good deed goes unpunished kind of idea of arkin doing all of this and 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 kind of putting himself in this situation and then you almost feel like oh he did it he did this good deed and and now he's gonna get away and he got the diamond and mm -hmm. he got out before midnight which seems totally implausible to me yeah because <laughs> i was like i could have fucking sworn you have been in there for hours my guy but yeah he gets out before midnight it's like everything is working out for him Mm -hmm. And so I, I don't know. I kind of like this idea that, okay, just because you did this good thing doesn't mean that you're going to get away with everything scot-free yeah. and you kind of put yourself on, on this radar. Not only did you put yourself on this radar, but you saw his face mm -hmm. and that's kind of a problem. That is a problem. <laughs> um, you it's survived. Yeah. And so I don't think it's wild. I think that that's a good thing too, that he's, 
just from a script writing standpoint, I do think it was very smart to have him see his face and recognize him because that gives the collector a reason to want to go after Arkin because Mm -hmm. it's not even just, oh, okay, I I wanted to keep that guy all darn. It's like, okay, this guy is going to fuck my whole shit up because he's recognized me. He's probably going to pass that information on. Like, it's kind of a big deal now. So I could definitely see him, like, pursuing. Yeah, Yeah. pursuing Arkin and and trying to maybe put a stop to that. Um, And I will even say with this ending, I like... I like the way that it feels. It still feels pretty grounded. It And in some ways, it almost feels a little kind of anticlimactic to, to me right. a little bit, but I, I kind of like that for this movie. In a good way. In a good yeah. way, I think. Because it feels more realistic that, because at the end of the day, these are just two guys. Like, <laughs> this isn't a big villain that is superhuman who's fighting against this person who's super prepared for it. At the end of the day, it's two guys just trying to get through the situation. And so I feel like their fights feel pretty realistic anytime they tussle i'm like yeah that that feels about how this would play out yeah Yeah. i'm like yeah i believe that um especially the kitchen fight i really like i think Mm -hmm. that that one's really cool especially when he like uses the oven door like block (laughs) the knife and stuff like i don't know i just i think that that one is really fun i will say how did the collector not see himself reflected in the mirror when because at the very end mm-hmm. he shoots at arkin and hannah thinking oh, he's shooting yeah. them but he's shooting a reflection of them yeah how did how would he have not been reflected in the mirror as well right now that's a that's a great point that's a great point i feel like that was one of those <laughs> situations where like on paper it works yeah, but then, like in practice, if you spend that extra second thinking about it, it kind of deteriorates a little bit because, like, <laughs> yeah. we we have seen the shoot the mirror thing a billion times, but I feel like a lot of the times it's typically in a house of mirrors where there are several mirrors all around, which will kind of hide this whole like, where's your, where are you in this? And a lot of times they're shooting themselves in the mirror too, right. for whatever reason. Um, but yeah. <laughs> And this sequence, it is definitely a, like, uh, I, in theory, am walking directly towards a reflection right now. So I, too, should be reflected. You bring up a great point. Uh, That's all I got for (laughs) you. I have no answer or or mm. or remedy to that i agree with you yeah like that being said <laughs> it doesn't ruin that idea for me because i'm just glad that the mirrors came back around eventually because we see so many shots of mirrors mm-hmm. that which i will say also kudos to having so many shots of mirrors and having to figure out how to film around that because obviously anytime you film a mirror in a movie there's always you always run the risk of the the film crew being seen in the mirror. So, you know, shout out to them for having so many mirror shots and figuring mm-hmm. out a way to not reflect themselves. But yeah, I mean, it still it still works for me regardless because it's a like I said, I I appreciate that by the end of it, they still had to be creative to get out of this situation. They still had to figure something out and kind of work around it. And I love that idea that throughout so much of this Arkin is like, I don't know. 
I don't know what to yeah. do. I don't know. I don't know. There's that part where they get into the room with all the hooks and he goes, I don't know. I don't know. And then and then Hannah has to be like, well, there's a laundry shoot. <laughs> you want to send me down there? I appreciate that. Um, and I feel like this is another one of those times where he kind of comes up with something on the fly and it just so happens to work. Mm-hmm. I think the only thing that throws me off about this ending and the whole finding him and and getting him and putting him in the in the trunk and what have you is I like the collector a lot as a villain. I think he looks cool. I think he's pretty creepy. Uh, there's like particularly that part where he's watching Jill and her boyfriend. Yeah. And he's just like, hey, it, it's yeah. gross. Like it, he's creepy. I love the reflection of his eyes. I love the way that his mask mm-hmm. looks. There's so much about the collector that I love. And then he runs. And <laughs> you just got an eye for people running and sprinting lately. <laughs> tell me that's not a goofy run, though. You're not I wrong. Mean, it's just there's something about <laughs> there's something about the way that he moves, and it's a character choice. Like I mm-hmm. I can tell because I do think we have a character who's a very specific type of person. Yeah. And that is reflected in the way that he runs. But something when he runs, it reminds me that he's a human being, just some guy. (laughs) And like that is good, but also bad because there's also something about it that just reminds me that he's just a human being who by all means should not be able to do all this shit. (laughs) So um, there's just there is something about that element of it that this is when it starts to feel very much like, oh, okay, now you're Michael Myers. And that part of it kind of trips me up a little bit. But at the same time, it doesn't ruin it for me. It's just something that I notice where Mm -hmm. I like the human aspect of this guy for most of it. And then the end gets a little bit into like superhuman territory. (laughs) Yeah. That's that I mean, yeah, that's fair. He does like uh teeter on that line between like his capabilities and like mm-hmm. his humanity, I suppose. Right. Which I mean uh, John Kramer does too. So this isn't just a collector thing. It's right. like I think it's just a a product of the I set up all the this traps. shit. Yeah. And I'm just a guy. Like I just think it's the product of that, but yeah. <laughs> It's yeah, it, it's very fair, but I the the part I will agree with you on is I do actually enjoy the collector's design. I think it's always like when you're not getting one of these like traditional style um, killers or like you're trying to invent your own. That's always the hardest thing is like their appearance and like what they're going to look like because mm-hmm. like there's a, it's very easy to go too far, but then it's very easy to, to be a little too minimalist as well. And I do think the collector strikes a decent balance of like, it's a very minimalist look, but the unique touches that they add to him mm-hmm. do make him stand out. And so like, I respect that. Um, I also, I I mean, I saw that to get the eye thing, they had um, Juan wearing two pairs of contacts, which oh, to shit. me sounds awful. Um, but apparently there was like an all black contact and then there was a reflective contact to get like that Mm. lighting look that we get. 
um, which looks in practice really, really cool. But yeah. apparently he was blind as a bat while oh, <laughs> wearing shit. those. Um, so I don't know if that maybe trickled into his run. Who knows? But still, whatever the design of the actual collector, it's pretty cool, serviceable. And I think especially coming out when it came out, um, did a good job of like standing on its own. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I am. Um... I, yeah, I really like him. And like I said, there's something super menacing and creepy about him. I think in particularly when he's just moving through the house, anytime he hears a little noise, he just goes directly for it. Mm-hmm. And I love that. I love that he doesn't waste any time. He's like, I got to investigate. And then he'll go and he'll stalk around and then he'll be on the move. There's a lot of those aspects about him are really, really creepy. And I think as a whole, he's just a yeah, creepy character. He's just another one of those characters who is the silent but stalking type Mm -hmm. and feels really i think there's an unpredictability too to his character that is really frightening it feels like you never really know exactly what he's going to do or how he's going to treat his victims because you have that minute where they try and set a trap and and then he uses larry to come in and kind of make sure the room's good and Larry ends up dying. And then mm-hmm. he is really like, it's like he lets the dad go, but then he comes back for the dad and mm-hmm. he pretends like he's going to hurt the mom at one point, but then he does really hurt her later. There's this very, there's this nature to him where it seems like he kind of just changes what his motivations on a whim and, changes uh, but also changes his kind of approach mm-hmm. on a whim as well because he is a very it feels like he's a very particular way in the beginning mm-hmm. and then that changes when the daughter comes home and then that changes when he discovers that Arkin is there right and it's like it's hard to tell what triggers him and i think that that's what's really scary about mm-hmm. him as a character um so i like that I like yeah. that a lot about it. And I feel like it keeps it feeling really fresh because like I said, this is a movie that mostly takes place just in the house. Mostly is just chases. Mm-hmm. And I think that there is really, that's pretty hard to do, especially because this is also the type of the movie where there's not a lot of dialogue. Um, right. There's not a lot of conversations happening here. <laughs> there's, this is a lot of, following someone who's trying to be as quiet as possible. And also, too, Arkin doesn't have any accomplices that he's there with. It's really just kind of him trying to figure this all out as he goes. So this is also much more of a see-don't-tell type of film, but I actually think that works out pretty well. The only time it pisses me off (laughs) is when Arkin finds Victoria's body and he says, he's going to blow the house up. He's going to blow the house up. And he says it in this really unnatural way that it's clear he had to say that so the audience knew what was going on. Yeah. The only time it feels weird. Because it, it's like n- no other time does anything like that happen. It's just that particular point where you could tell they said, all right, we got to make sure the audience knows why there's so much gasoline mm-hmm. around. And they know that you got to get out of the house as soon as possible. So, and for that, I'm thankful because I probably wouldn't have picked it up without that line. So thank you. Same, honestly, same. But I was like, we gotta, we gotta figure a better way, <laughs> a better way to to get this across. 
true. But that's honestly all that I got, unless you got some last thoughts in regards to the collector. Um, I think the only thing that I also had was one, this is very random, but for anybody who knows what I'm talking about, I would like some confirmation. The car scene where it's Arkin talking to like the guy that he does the deals with. Mm -hmm. It reminds me of Oliver and Company. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie. I don't think so. Well, it's got talking. It's a cartoon mm -hmm. about a talking cat that joins a gang of dogs. But okay. the the guy who who lives with the gang of dogs gets mm -hmm. roped into this like criminal activity with this like <laughs> with this <laughs> nefarious villain guy and. Okay. He gives off the same energy as the black guy who was in the car with Arkin. Like gotcha. there's, a, there's a very similar scene. Um, so that's what that reminded me of. And uh, also, well, oh, real ahead. quick before you go on, because you reminded me. Just one note that I did have about that sequence, though, is like my man's was giving menacing for like mm -hmm. and like couldn't like he had a good control of that conversation. Um, and then his threat was to burn homeboy's hand with a lighter. <laughs> and yeah. so I just wrote in my notes, world's most intimidating lighter. Because, <laughs> like, yeah. of everything he could have threatened his life with, he picked the lighter in his a pocket. Lighter. Like, I'm going to singe off those hairs off your hand if you don't yeah. agree to my terms. Like, it all right, guys. Truly. And he, yeah, and he's like, you ever felt heat like this before? <laughs> and, like, we see a close up of Arkin's hairs <laughs> getting, <laughs> getting singed off. But yeah, it's not, it's, it's an interest. It was an interesting choice. Um, and then it goes away pretty quickly because <laughs> then he's just like, okay, well, instead of 50%, I'll give you 40%. And then everything's fine. <laughs> okay, it's like, cool. okay, all you had to that was the issue the whole time. He just needed to bring it down 10%. I think he would have hey. done that in the first place if you would have said that earlier. Teach a man how to haggle. That's all. Well, you know, it just didn't seem like he <laughs> like he he had haggled before. Neither one of them <laughs> seemed like they had done that before. Arkin seemed like he was a little bit more versed in it, but... Maybe. I think the other guy was like, this is the first time I've ever had to do this. <laughs> That's why he went Let with the lighter. Let me get my lighter, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but also, too, the whole thing with the, the daughter and the mom, um, they're screwed. I mean, I don't know. The mom is definitely going to have to leave town. She's screwed. Absolutely. <laughs> she is absolutely fucked. She or she's gonna have to take the daughter and they're gonna have to leave town. Mm-hmm. Wait, wait, wait. Are we talking about Victoria? Cause she did. No, the wife, Arkin's wife. Oh, oh, yeah. How, yeah. How, he, like, how she owes those loan sharks and she's like, I have until midnight tonight to figure it out. Oh yeah, no, nah, yeah. she yeah, they're screwed. Absolutely screwed. She's they're screwed. probably dead already, quite frankly. Oh but my God. <laughs> Jesus. Well, because I think they had more time. I think that he said, give me till midnight to mm -hmm. pay them. But I think she had a, a little wiggle room to like either flee town or mm -hmm. stay. But they're probably, I mean, they're probably going to follow them. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 Now, their their situation is absolutely screwed. You are correct. It, yeah. It, it's, a, it's, it's unfortunate. And I like how the mom is like so pissed. Right. Uh, like uh, it's not Arkin. her her loans that are the ones That's that are what I'm saying. 
<laughs> now, I don't mean to blame her. She probably took them out because she needed to. But like he bought his daughter something, their daughter. He bought her something to put a smile on her face through this trying and fluorescent blue world that she mm -hmm. is currently facing. And the mom is pissed. She's like, what you the know fuck I got is that? Blue? Yeah. <laughs> she's like, I can't believe it. And then when Arkin gives her the money and she's like, what is this? What is this? <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> like, Damn, toxic relationship. Jesus. I'm like, girl, you knew the loan had been coming up. So did you think, how much do you still owe? And how much That's did you question. think he was going to have available? Like, what did you take a loan out on that my man needs a full fist-sized diamond to yeah. pay off your debts? Yes. It's a big old... It's like the, the diamond that she had in the uh, Titanic. It's that, <laughs> but a ruby. And yeah, he needs the whole thing. He needs at least 40% of the cut for it. So how, that's crazy. That's probably like... Dude, I don't know, like $50,000 would be his cut or something like that. Something mm -hmm. crazy like that. She thought he was going to have all of that from doing maintenance work at the <laughs> house because he hadn't robbed it yet. I feel like he would have told her if he had robbed it. Right. And she was mad because he didn't have $50,000 on hand. Now I'm spitballing. These estimates could be far <laughs> off, but I imagine that... For a diamond or a ruby that size, 40% of that would be around, like, five figures. Yeah, whatever it was, it was way more than she should be owing. <laughs> like, right. for whatever, whatever happened. That's like, I don't want a full-fledged movie of it, but give me the, the short film prequel to how she got in so much debt, because I would love to know. Dude, I mean, it's probably, to be fair, it's not hard. Like, <laughs> it's not hard. In this economy, I tell you what, you I tell you what, if these student loan people were like that, <laughs> were anything like these people she's about to be going up against, shit, I'd be on the run as well. So it's not crazy. It's just, it's just wild to me that it's like that life or death mm -hmm. on, in a day. When we first meet him, she's already like, I got to go. <laughs> Immediately. Immediately, hey. I have to go. <laughs> but I think that that was all that was all that I wanted to to talk about is okay. his, his little family issues and my little Oliver and company reference. Oh, also <laughs> for anybody who watched The Nanny, um, the Madeline Zima, who plays Jill. She's from The Nanny. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Or a Cinderella story for anyone who recognizes her. She's <laughs> one of the stepsisters. <laughs> uh, but all right, Erica, what are we going to rate this bad boy out of? Oh, man. We could rate this out of... Hissing cockroaches. Hissing cockroaches. Ew. Gross. <laughs> um, yeah, we could rate this out of hissing cockroaches out of fish hooks fish hooks no i think we've actually used fish hooks i don't remember where but oh probably like hellraiser or something like oh, that oh something like that we probably use some kind of hook we've used we've used some variant of hook in the of past. a hook <laughs> and they're in there once or twice um bear trap it wasn't we've used, just... i think we've used bear traps yeah i was like it can't be just bear traps 
bait bait boxes. Ooh, actually, bait boxes. That that alliteration it do be hitting. Yeah, I'm here for it. Let's do it. Okay, all right. It's bait boxes then. <laughs> Erica, since it was your pick, why don't you go ahead and hit us with it? Oh, How many bait man. boxes? How many bait boxes? I think I'm going to give the collector. I think I'm going to give it 3.8 bait boxes out of okay. five. Okay. You know, I earlier you asked me how I felt going back to watch this movie after so much time. And the answer to that, I think, is that I still liked it, but I mm-hmm. didn't like it as much as I remember liking it. It's mm-hmm. like, I still have a good time with this. I still think for a death game, twisted traps type of movie, that this is still a solid one. Mm-hmm. I surprisingly love the fact that it's not super plot heavy and that most of what we get is just inside of the house dealing with the situation there's a little bit of mystery there's enough backstory that everything makes sense but that's not the important thing the important thing is exactly what you came to this movie for and that is trying not to die from crazy traps and and i love that i i think that that is exactly what i want sometimes from these types of movies i don't need a lot of plot and extra razzle dazzle mm-hmm. um the traps are cool i like that they feel viable it's not yeah cra- most of them are just put together well, by some wire most of, them. <laughs> most of them most of them are just put together by some wire shit thrown on the ground nails sticking out of things most of them feel pretty realistic now granted of course there's always going to be those traps that need to have that extra visual flair mm-hmm. but even those are fun to an extent um I guess the only reason that it's not higher for me is I just going back to rewatch it. I feel like it wasn't quite as fun as I remembered it being, which isn't bad. Mm -hmm. But I think that it just it's not like it didn't strike me in that same way where I felt like, oh, man, that was like a, such a good time. I can't wait to watch that movie again. Like, I didn't feel like that when I left. I, I enjoyed the movie for sure. But I do think that it's. It's a it's a good movie. It's a good mm-hmm. movie. It's enjoyable. I like the story enough, but it's not like a fantastic or a great entry to me. Yeah. Um, and sometimes that's all I want. It's just a good, it's a good torture movie. And I think that this is what that is. And so, yeah, that's, that's why it kind of falls into a 3.8. I will say I was actually really surprised when I was looking this movie up um, to see that this movie is actually lower rated than the sequel, because I actually feel the opposite. I think this movie is way better than the sequel. I Mm -hmm. prefer this movie much more to the collection, but I think that's because that one is much more action packed um, and feels very different tonally. And I kind of like the simplicity of this one. And so, yeah, I think a a 3.8 is where I'm landing on this because there's nothing wrong with this movie, but Mm -hmm. it's also not like the a great 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 entry to this genre i think it's exactly what i want it to be which Mm -hmm. is a good torture movie Mm -hmm. i you know what i think a lot of that is fair and as far as rating goes i you know i'll actually match you i i I will also say a 3.8 out of five bait boxes 
again without trying trying not to repeat too much it's like a lot of the same reasons like i enjoyed this movie just like i enjoyed it the first time i watched it and then i enjoyed it during this watch but similarly watching it again i was like i know i did not enjoy it as much as i did last time i watched it and i feel like that will continue for most subsequent watches of this film i think that this movie will get less and less fun the more you watch it at least it does for me Mm -hmm. um and i don't want to judge it too harshly on that um because i do think the initial experience of watching it is a good time um i also like i said earlier on recognize that a lot of the stylistic choices made in this film are of the era and although i'm not a big fan of them anymore i do think they do still hold some nostalgia and some people really just rock with that style of like grungy style horror film so like i'm not trying to knock it too much for that um but then on the flip side there's a lot of things that i do enjoy um it isn't a breakout venture from this specific genre, but I like the story that we have here. I like the sequences that we get. There are a couple um, visual things in there that I actually do really enjoy, despite not being a huge fan of the way that everything looks overall. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I just feel like a 3.8 is a solid like this movie's a fun time. If you've never seen it before, it's worth a watch. Um, if you've seen it once, you know, maybe watch it again just because it's been a while. Um, but it's not one of those movies that like is going to be like heavily in my rotation at any point mm-hmm. in time. It's one of those ones that I appreciate for what it was, um, but it's also not my favorite. So we mm-hmm. will leave it at a 3.8 out of 5 bait boxes. Yeah, same. Also, you know that um, that movie Unhuman? Yeah. You didn't like that movie, right? Mm, that that's the one where they're they're in the bus right yeah oh yeah i really did not like that movie same director really yep marcus dunston oh okay directed unhuman also directed feast and all the feast movies wait a minute hold on Feast. hold on all the feast movies but also is credited as a screenplay writer on some of the saw movies yeah no they so both he and patrick melton um after this movie came out and was successful they got brought on to work on the saw films okay so saw four six and 3d uh, he is credited with um working on Mm mm-hmm interesting i was the only reason i'm looking it up is because i'm like i'm trying to see if if in if in those ones there are any traps that are similar to um what we got in this particularly this one because i know that there is a hook trap in 3d Mm. there's a lot of things with hooks in that one interesting there's a lot of barbed wire okay okay it's all making sense it's clicking it's all starting to track it's clicking okay that's interesting it is interesting and i will say because like i'm standing by i did not like um unhuman however i have heard that um marcus dunstan the director is an absolute sweetheart so i'm gonna Mm. throw that in there to uh balance out some of that yeah some of that negativity because i ever heard the guys a fantastic guy so and you know what is cool too i love that he clearly has a love for horror mm-hmm. because from you know all of the movies that he's worked on what the 
directed Pilgrim from Into the Dark. Oh, shit. Marcus, wait a minute. Been all over the place. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just now looking into his. Did the story, story for Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, the film. Mm-hmm. Story by, worked on Hatchet 2. Marcus, I apologize. I didn't look into your filmography before <laughs> we talked, but you're kind of been making been, some moves. You've kind of been killing it. All right. All right. I'm going to give it to you. That's yeah. Yeah. Because I remember I really liked Pilgrim and I really liked scary stories to tell in the dark. So that pen is immaculate. I'll tell you that much for free. <laughs> at least at least that pen has has the power. Um, but going back to the movie that we were discussing. <laughs> If you guys, if you guys want to talk to us about your feelings on The Collector, um, you can always talk to us on our social media. We are homies of horror on everything. Or if you prefer to talk a little bit more in depth, you can slide into our Discord. That is where we hang out with the homies, discuss horror, but also other things in there as well. So if you'd like to come through there and join in the conversation, the link for that is in our social media bios. Or you can email us. We are homiesofhorror at gmail.com. You can email us requests, recommendations, and business inquiries. If you're listening to this on Monday, that means we are streaming on Twitch tonight. Twitch is where we play spooky games with the homies, hang out, have some laughs, have some chit-chat. We'd love to see you guys in there. Come through, say hello, and throw some movies out there. Because like I said... Sometimes you sway us one way or the other, and we always like to get suggestions. So if you'd like to come through there, the link for that is also in our social media bios. And last but never least, if you are so inclined, we'd very much appreciate it if you'd leave us a rating or a review. Both can be done over on Apple Podcast. The more we get, the better. Recommends our show to more listeners, and we just like to hear what you guys are thinking of the show. So if you have an Apple account and haven't done that, we'd love for you to. Or over on Spotify, you can leave us a rating by just clicking the stars underneath our name. But that is it for us and The Collector. Uh, we hope you guys have enjoyed our conversation. And we will be back next time with Roshane's Pick. Catch you next time, homies. Bye.